It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Kevin Sully, joined once again from the Hype Shed in Taylor, Texas. It's Lincoln Shrike. Lincoln, good morning. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Yeah, the Hype Shed is a little chilly this morning, but I, I can confirm it's pretty hyped <clears throat> directly from the source myself. Um, I know there's been some questions about the quality of the internet out here, so we're hoping over this podcast that we can keep things wired in and connected, but we, we shall, we shall find out. <clears throat> yeah. So the goal is Lincoln's internet's going to work the entire time. If it doesn't, we're going to cut him off and I'm just going to keep talking. And then he might hear half of what I say. He might hear 30% of what I say. Uh, it will make for a better product. I can guarantee you that the email address is once again, flowtrackpodcast.gmail.com. You can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and you can watch us on flowtrack.org slash podcast. Is that all that all sound good to you, Lincoln? Are you comfortable with the setup? It, it is. And if people are listening and want to know if I broke up and didn't know exactly what Kevin's saying, they can listen for me saying this line. I'll say, yeah, that's right, Kevin. When I'm coming <laughs> off, if I have no idea, if, if I have no idea what you just said, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that, that is the 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 little uh, line to look for or to to listen for uh, because i i'm trying to make play it off cool but i i may not know what you what you just said mm-hmm. or you can just say you can say that again and then i can take you literally yeah. and i can i can repeat literally it. could you please say that again so we're gonna talk about the valencia marathon that's coming up on sunday which you can watch live on flow track which is teeming with top talent, both from the United States and the rest of the world. But let's start here with <clears throat> our second pro signing in as many days, Lincoln. Taylor Werner is going pro. Some might say just hours after Gordon and I did a whole podcast talking about how Taylor Werner could be the one to capitalize with Wayne Kalati going pro. Right. And look at Arkansas making that move towards an indoor title, sweeping up those points in the 5K and the 3K. But that will not be the case. So yesterday's podcast, a bit out of date already. A professional group in North Carolina sponsored by Puma is not what I had on my college to professional track and field bingo board. Yes, I have one (laughs) such thing. Uh, I am pretty well stunned. I guess I shouldn't be simply because there's been a lot of new groups popping up. Um, Brands that were kind of on the sidelines previously uh, starting new groups. Uh, we can speculate why that is. If Nike's taking a step back and other groups are seeing the opportunity to 
you know, have a bigger presence in the track and field world. But, you know, we were always used to taking the top athletes and saying, oh, I wonder if they're going to go to Nike. Um, maybe not even wondering if they're going to go to Nike. <clears throat> I wonder which group they're going to sign with with Nike. Uh, those days appear, at least for, for the time being, to be over. You know, you mm -hmm. you don't even know if a new brand will be jumping into the mix all of a sudden. Not that Puma's a new brand, but we don't associate Puma with distance running. I mean, Puma's Usain Bolt, and right now they're Carson Warholm and uh, Mondo Duplantis. It's mm -hmm. not distance running that we necessarily associate with it. And uh, particularly, you know, U.S. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's it's not a ton of U.S. athletes that are that are Puma. You know, we got Jenna Prandini. Mm -hmm. um, I can't think of any more off the top of my head. I'm sure there are others, but suddenly that's going to change. Um, this is this is a big deal. Uh, insofar as I know, you're a skeptic to signings being a big deal. You've labeled me a brand guy. I I, I you know I know there's a little uh, there's a little malice in those words, but I don't know. I I uh, the idea now of a pro athlete coming out. And all of a sudden, it's not just the Bowerman Track Club, OTC, whatever the group is for Pete Julian, uh, maybe a, um, an Adidas signing. I mean, they have your options. You could go to On. You could go to Under Armour with, mm -hmm. with, in Flagstaff. Now, all of a sudden, you can go to Chapel Hill for this group that all we know about is Taylor Warner's going to be the headlining athlete. <clears throat> the choices are, are there. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm fascinated to see how this continues to to play out well the reason why it's tough to know what to take away from it is because you don't know financially how much money they're putting into these into these groups it could be a relatively small investment it could be massive but since contract details are never disclosed in track and field since group budgets are never public you don't know so it's hard to know hey is this is this the mark of a sea change in the sport or is this just rotating cast of characters? We saw it yesterday with the New York, New Jersey Track Club you know, losing the Hoka sponsorship, which you know they still sponsor the NAZ Elite Group, but that was a big group out there on the East Coast. There were a number of athletes competing there, so it, it almost seems like you know, one one company steps up, yeah. another company steps off, and we just go round and round in a circle. So until you actually know hard numbers. It's hard to it's hard to take away. I mean, Werner, I mean, it makes sense she's she would go pro if you think, okay, well, every year the top two or three distance runners are gonna get professional contracts and you know, big professional contracts, and then, then there's gonna be some others behind them that land deals as well, too. She never won a individual NCAA title, but she got runner up twice. She had just a great 2019. Um, so it, it make you know she ran the 1511 indoors, which could have been a collegiate record. And if they just yeah. had a race in an Arkansas jersey, it would have been a a NCAA record. She's she's on the she's on the come up, and she had a just a very interesting career in terms of coming out highly touted. She had that ter uh, terrible car accident, um, lost some of her confidence when she was coming back when. Uh, in 2018, they they ran really poorly at NCAA's, and she did herself. They had this team meeting and got everybody together, and they got themselves back to to the meet the next year and really exercised those demons. And then, you know, she was a key piece in all three championships. Not many people can say that because if you remember, 
indoors in 2019 when we were there in Birmingham, Lance Harder went up to her before that that 3K and said, we need points to clinch the meet. And she went out and did it. Then yep. she goes to to outdoors. Her 5K performance clinched the meet for Arkansas. And then she's their uh, number two runner in, in, in Terre Haute. I don't know how that stuff translates to a pro setting where you're an individual and you're out there. But in terms of competing under pressure situations at a, at a young stage in your development, I can't think of anybody who's done that more frequently recently than than Taylor Werner. I mean, the weight of an entire track team is on your shoulders and you're stepping to the line on a 3K or a 5K. And to deliver as many times as she did, that's, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, I believe, you know, her although it did come down to the four by four in 2019 and USC dropped their baton, you know, she came up huge in the outdoor 5,000 as well that same year in Austin and yeah, has continually been a clutch performer. And I think there's a lot of room for growth in the, in the 5,000. Obviously when you run 1511 in December, you, you think, well, this is somebody who could be running in the, <clears throat> in the 1440s later that year. If, if, you know, if everything plays right. I had her penciled in for the Bowerman track club. Now, eventually Bowerman, you would think there's no more parking spaces. Yeah. I mean, they've they've literally, they've, they've run out. I mean, they, they, you know, they, uh, even the the New York Yankees have a budget ostensibly. Right. And uh, maybe (laughs) that is, they're starting to say, you know, we, uh, we are paying, 30 all-star athletes. We cannot afford anything more. I don't know what exactly was the impetus for all this, but I do think it's cool. And maybe, you know, part of the um, new wave is everybody has seen other athletes, you know, headlining former NCAA stars, getting their own training group and thinking, I want to do that too, you know, and maybe they get an agent that's like, okay, I, you know, when they're pitching the athlete on their services as a, as a, as a, sports management agency they're saying i i'm gonna get you your own group and you know Mm -hmm. you're gonna be the 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 name of a brand that's pretty appealing you would think for for an athlete i don't know if that's exactly how that happens but um yeah this generation they you know it's it's the me generation right no i'm just kidding uh (laughs) no but i you see the appeal you could be another you could be another big fish in a in a um, sea of big fishes at, at, at Nike or maybe Adidas. And obviously, mm-hmm. Puma has huge athletes, but as far as the U.S. distance scene, you're going to be the headlining act at, at, at Puma, at least for the time being. That, that's appealing. Well, look at Justin Knight a couple of years back. Same thing yeah. with Reebok, yeah. uh, a company mm-hmm. that hadn't been doing much in running lately. And you could say he got his own group. I mean, they built it with his his former college coach, as well right. too, really, really set uh, set up a, a situation around him. You don't know too much more about this. I mean, regionally, it makes sense. She's from Missouri, went to school in Arkansas, so she gets to stay in that part of part of the country. Um, Alistair mm. Craig, I've heard. No, North Carolina that doesn't count. No, it's, it's closer than Oregon. It's closer than Oregon. Well, it's, it's closer than Oregon. Yeah. Okay, listen, yeah. Missouri man. This is the one time I'll let you fact check me because I've never been yeah. to North Carolina. Um, yeah, I'm just saying that I don't know. That probably isn't wasn't the deciding factor, but that stuff no. doesn't 
doesn't hurt when you're staying in that part of the country. Um, and I was going to say, I've, I've heard, you know, Alistair Craig is involved, obviously uh, Chris Miltenberg being the coach there at UNC <laughs> is involved. And I, I just think that we've, we've moved now to, we've been joking about North Carolina with NC state and UNC, the collegiate programs being the epicenter of NCAA distance running, it appears, especially on the women's side, but now they're getting pro groups. So I think it's only a matter of time before they get uh, Olympic trials are going to be in, in, in the state of North Carolina, U.S. championships. It's, it's, it's the Oregon of the Southeast, I think, is what we're going to start calling North Carolina. Yeah, and when you throw Vin in Virginia, it's it is it's the the Eastern Seaboard is is uh, I, I just really want to geography. The <laughs> I just want to say the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, hopefully, I can develop my transatlantic accent and we can start speaking in nineteen mm. twenties. Uh, the dragon fields are coming to the. That was terrible, but you know, <laughs> um, I, I didn't see this coming two years ago. I don't think anyone could have seen no. this coming. It's like North Carolina was kind of a forgotten area when it comes to track and field. There's no training groups in, in North Carolina. Oh, yeah, um, I mean, it's a beautiful was, I know Zap. Zap, Zap was, yeah, Zap. But I mean, yeah. okay. Uh, we're not taking Zap fitness seriously when it comes to making teams, let's be honest. Um, it's It makes sense. I mean, it's a beautiful part of the country, r- relatively temperate, but it's just... Oregon had been the, mm-hmm. been the Hollywood of U.S. track and you know distance running track and field for so long that you just assume it's going to stay that way. Um, not the case, apparently. Uh, mm. You said you hear Alistair Craig is involved. We can't hundred percent confirm that, but you know that's interesting when you talk about him being married to Amy Craig. Whether we we have no idea what she's going to do, but you know you could think there's going to be some other moves and other big names associated with this this Puma group, be it young athletes or, or you know, more veteran types, we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you might see some other people trickle over there yeah. when contracts expire at the end of yeah. 2020. Exactly. Because those, those notices, if they're not going out, they're going out soon. And there's just such a weird, there's such a weird situation this year where contracts are ending in 2020, which was supposed to be the <laughs> Olympic year, but instead contracts are ending months before athletes are yeah. competing and getting ready for the Olympic trials, which puts a lot of people in a, in a weird spot. Again, it's hard to know, you know, how serious it is because you don't know the financial you know, contribution. You knew Puma's financial contribution to Andre de Grasse because the details of his contract linked and you said, whoa, man. And then you heard a little bit about Cindy McLaughlin. And then back in the day, you heard about the Allen Webb contract. It got reported and it put a number to it and it associated prominence with those, those deals. Of the last couple of years, we haven't really heard much of anything. So you don't really know how much how much money it is, how much it compares to um, other shoe companies and how sustainable it is. I wanted to talk a little bit about where this leaves the NCAA because I haven't learned my lesson from yesterday. And now I'm going to make some just bold pronouncements. Assume everyone's about going pro, Kevin. Just assume everyone's gone pro. Okay, so Gordon was right then. Caitlin Tui is going to win the NCAA title uh, this year. <laughs> okay, so... Here's my new here's my new big winner on the distance side. Uh Stanford women. Stanford women. That's my new big winner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were well positioned coming off a good 2019 first year under JJ Clark anyways, but when you take away, you know, one athlete in Kaladi on the track or excuse me on uh, who has cross country left and then Werner on the track, yeah, it's the we're waiting for a new distance star to emerge now. Um, 
mm-hmm. there may be more signings in the future, but uh, <clears throat> certainly that that program with their two stars up there and then obviously other mm-hmm. solid supporting pieces, they they still have some room to, even with the loss of Fiona O'Keefe, who's now at New Mexico, Stanford is is well positioned for the for uh, this whenever the NCAA sport track field and cross country resume. Yeah, they're well positioned for sport. Yeah, I was speaking mostly about indoors because cross. Obviously, Werner didn't have cross, so Gordon's assumption. Are you all right over there? Do you need, do you need some water? I know it's, your internet's been holding up, but you're. I got it. I got I got to stop eating. I got to stop eating peanut butter before this. <laughs> In the in the hype shed, too Bro, much peanut man. butter in, yeah, too much peanut butter. Yeah, in the hype shed. Okay, eating by the spoonful. But I'm looking at indoors from last year, and I'm looking at, let's just say the five thousand, where you have, McKenna Morley, gone, Joyce Camelli, Mercy Chilang got back, Devin Clark gone, Kelsey Camille back, Wayne Kalati gone, Bethany Haas back, Emily Martin, uh, senior, Katie Izzo back, Kaylee Loge back, uh, Baez back. Amelia Delanis, gone. Elizabeth Funderburk of Florida State, back. Uh, Ava Richardson, gone. Maria Mettler and Jessica Drop both have eligibility, at least according to this list that I'm looking at. And in the 3K, kind of similar situation. You know, you got when you have, you know, Monson gone, when you have Kaladi gone, when you have Werner gone, when you have Whitney Orton gone. I mean, it really is opening up for Donahue, Lawson, of the names that we know. Now, maybe there could be somebody out there who, like Gordon was talking about yesterday, a freshman that we're not familiar with at all, or some sort of, uh, some sort of, you know, underclassman, or somebody who has a breakthrough of their senior year. But of the people that are known, um, it is really, 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 really slim pickings. Even so, if you want to go back to cross country, I looked it up yesterday. Orton now is a top returner in seventh. Then you have, wow. I think Don, Donahue, I think eight. Is it Donahue eight and then Lawson 11? So you only have three of the top 11 coming back for, for cross country. And for indoors, it's just as scarce. I don't know now who the, who the big winners are other than I, you, you, you look at Stanford and you think they have a lot of depth. They're going to put together a really good DMR and some of those women could – could get titles in the three and the five now because Kalati, uh, Werner, et cetera, are gone. Orton. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I don't think we have a clear favorite in any of those distances now. I mean, that's not a shocking thing to say, but um, that with so many people going pro, I mean, Alicia Monson before these two, mm-hmm. it's it's you know a bunch of athletes who's you know have not we're used to athletes kind of knocking on the door and then getting to the top, you know, you kind of thought, Oh, it's going to be the time for Werner. She's knocked on the door. Most now she's left and gone pro. And, you know, Kaladi did that before. And it's, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say athletes like Donahue and uh, Lawson have knocked on the door, but not to the extent that we're used to seeing. And perhaps it's athletes like Chilangot, who's just made a little bit of noise, Uh, Kameli, possibly them, but, it's an unclear picture for sure, and much more so than the men's side. You know, who knows? Luis Grijalva may go professional today. Connor, Connor Mance may follow. You know, <laughs> you, you, you just you don't know. But um, mm-hmm. the women's side is certainly uh, pretty blurry right now. 
Well, then you go, if you want to fast forward to outdoors, because I'm pretty confident we're going to have outdoors. Indoors and cross country, still shaky on, but I'm almost positive we're going to have outdoor championship. Vaccine, baby. But then you go, <laughs> but then you go and you look outdoors. And again, Warner would have had eligibility. Kaladi would have had eligibility. Monson would have had eligibility, although yep. the University of Wisconsin did not extend the extra year. So she could have theoretically, I guess, transferred somewhere. And yeah, it leaves just so many holes outdoors for the five and the and the ten. Um, I guess the steeple, a little more clarity, maybe there, maybe 1,500, um, a little more clarity with, with Orton coming back. But I, yeah, it's – as Gordon is saying because he's trying to put together these rankings – you're flying blind a lot of the time. And I think it's even harder now because the few people you did know about are, are going pro. Yeah. It, and obviously you take the money when it's there, but I'm wondering what you think, why all these athletes are, are going pro now instead of hypoth- are they, are they just taking, you know, um, you know, one in the hand is worth two in the bush. Like they don't know when technically, NCAA competition is going to resume. So even if they could improve their stock, hypothetically, they're just going to go because it's like, I don't even know if we're going to have an NCAA season. So might as well, you know, take this. And I guess a lot of athletes have also graduated too. But the idea that there was going to be athletes hanging around to have their their moment in the sun, you know, to get their NCAA title if they haven't, as opposed to just taking the money and going pro has not materialized, you know. Tyler Day on the yeah. verge of competing for an NCAA title, gone. Joe Klecker, gone. Uh, <clears throat> Werner, you know, could have been there, <clears throat> could have gotten a title. She's just going to go for it. Um, it it's it's, yeah, it's interesting to me. I think just there's so much uncertainty. You're just like, I, it's an Olympic year. I, I Even mm-hmm. if I'm not going to make a team, I've got to have a presence out there. And, I, and I've got to get with a group right now because there's restrictions on, you know, on um, – practice in college there's just too many roadblocks right now to success for a distance runner and if you have a shot to get a contract you just got to take it it seems like yeah exactly and i think that'd probably be true in any year if you have the shot to get a contract are you going to wait a year and risk injury mm-hmm. how much how yeah. much do you stand to gain monetarily okay so someone like warner she's gotten second twice she stays and then she wins how much does yeah. that up her value Okay, maybe marginally, but is it worth is it worth the the risk? And no. you talk about when you think about going pro, and you compare it to other sports, uh, football, basketball, what have you. Oh, you know, let's they need to stay and they need to you know develop their game and 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 get and get better at this level and get reps uh, before moving on. Because what what good is it just to, to sit on the bench at the higher levels? Well, that's not the case in running. You're still running no matter where you're going. So it's not like you're missing yeah. out on reps. You're going to be – Wayne Kalati was, was going to run in this race this weekend in California, this 10,000, whether or not she got paid for it or not. So you might as well get paid yeah. for it. You know, she Good was going point. to wear a New Mexico jersey. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're just going to keep – you're just going to keep developing. And I don't think anybody's saying – now, there are some extreme examples where you could say, well, yeah, that person would have benefited from being in a college system. But – is anybody going to argue that you know the people that we're talking about needed more time in college to to hone their craft? No, they they knew it. They were mature. Um, many of them have gotten degrees, so if they had educational goals, they attained those, and now they get to live out their dream and train professionally. Um, 
when you mentioned Werner's 1511, I just think about how much the sport has changed since last December, because I remember you and I were talking, or maybe it was Gordon, uh, about Werner and Izzo. And I was thinking, oh man, like they're, they're trials, they're contenders to make the Olympic team. And I think they, I think they still are, but that was in the, Hey, 1450 gets you, yeah. gets you in the ballpark. And then Shelby Hulan, Christian Schweizer, everybody on Bowerman just kicked that door down this summer to where it seems, you know, 1510 is, is not going to cut it. 1510 is not going to cut it. Um, and I don't, I'm not yeah. saying that that was part of her, part of her decision. I'm sure she knew she was going to have to run insanely fast, but the women's five. And I think by extension, the women's 10 right now, it's just it's so much more difficult than it was a couple of years ago to to make a team that you, you don't look at 15 low the same way as you did before. That number, that perspective has completely changed with all of you know what what the Bowerman women have done, what Eleanor Purrier did in Doha. The list goes on and on. Yeah, unless you do what I'm doing is put 2019 stats into 2020 numbers and you say, ah, maybe that 1511 indoors. That's that's worth fourteen forty seven when we when we move it into twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, you know, based on not only the the two Hulahan and Swizer running in the fourteen twenties, but you also had, uh, uh, you know, like you said with um, Al Purrier running Cran- in the fourteen forties, Cranny in the fourteen forties, yeah, Fraser. I mean, I'm not saying Warner's necessarily as good as them right now, they've had time to be under Jerry's system um, that not per year, but you know, they've all those women have had time to, to run in pro competitions of Warner hasn't, mm-hmm. but I don't think she's also 25 seconds behind them either, you know, and she won that 15, 11 no. race. So she may not be a favorite right now to um, make the Olympic team, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me. And it looks like she's going to put herself in the best possible position. Um, that, mm-hmm. that team's going to be hard to make for, everyone outside of if Houlihan competes, you know, and tends yeah. to run the 5,000, it's going to be hard for everybody not named Houlihan and Swizer to make that team. There's one spot at that mm-hmm. point. Um, and there's, pl- you know, five to 10 women who could be, you know, fully capable of doing that. So it was never going to be easy, but mm-hmm. uh, j- just stepping back to, you know, when we try to deduce where these athletes are going to go, I remember when we interviewed Taylor Warner way back in the day, I think, during the 2019 um sorry if i'm breaking up there when we interviewed werner we had talked about mm-hmm. i think the summer before she had been running with some of the bowerman women like been running with courtney uh-huh. frericks and mm-hmm. and so i just thought oh i mean this is this is easy this she's going to go to bowerman and it just seems like they've either they're not going to sign all the top athletes like they have in the past or the you know the the opportunities to to get at your own group and and go do your own thing is is more prevalent than it would have been previously. Um, but it's, I, I, it's kind of cool. Cause I think recently we've complained, Oh, it's just so predictable where everyone's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that has seemingly changed. There could be a new brand jumping in, in the fray here. And it's going to be also, also just optically nice that when it comes to the, the U S trials, there's going to be a bunch of different kits represented. I know yeah, it yeah. doesn't really, really matter, but it, you know, the Monaco, 1500 this is not going to be this isn't just going to be everybody wearing <laughs> the latest Nike kit which i mean it's just kind of nice obviously the team element doesn't matter 
you know, um, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's easier to take the sport seriously when it does look like people are just wearing a bunch of when, when people are wearing different uniforms and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. There, there could be legitimate rivalries, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And not just like which three Bowerman women are going to make it, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just I don't know. It adds a, it, it's closer to track and field resembling other sports in, in my eyes. So I, I like it. Yeah, I agree with you. You're a brands guy. I'm a kit guy, though, so I can get behind your take there. <laughs> you, I like, you are the expert. Uh, I did my kit rankings last year. It's exciting to see. You know, Puma will be entering the fray here. Let's see what mm-hmm. On comes up with. I'm, I'm I'm holding off until 2021 to see their 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 new kits. But, but there's you know this Dark Sky Running group. Like, what do they come with? Before I had mm-hmm. to choose from basically eight versions of the Nike jersey and was ranking it yeah. against itself. It was it was a Nike inner squad meet at that point. Yeah, I, as we were saying before, it's just other than running out of parking spaces with Bowerman, I mean, eventually it's just like there's too many people to coach and yeah, they have Schumacher and Flanagan there, but they have a, a big roster, like a legitimately big roster between men and, and women there spanning a lot of different event groups as well too. And it's reasonable. You know, I kind of laugh anytime – you hear a coach talk about, oh, I got three people in the group. Can't, I don't know if I want to take on another one. That's tough. That's mm-hmm. four. That's four whole people. But with Bowerman, they legitimately have a, a massive operation yeah. going there. So, so I could see not wanting to yeah. add it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I could also see, I don't know the financial situation of Nike. That's one thing I don't know. Uh, in my reporting, I did not stumble upon the financial situation of Nike in mm-hmm. terms of their desire to invest in clubs. In we do know request. that. Well, we did know, yeah, they're very receptive. Uh, we did know that we do know that they've been there's been leadership changes, and some of the people who were big proponents of track and field are no longer in those positions of power. We don't know if they've been replaced by track and field friendly folks or not. It would not surprise me if they look at their budget and say, "Okay, we're spending a lot on track and field groups, so let's just keep it yeah. where it's at this year, fiscal year 2021." Whereas some of these other Companies might say, "Hey, let's it's the Olympic here. Who can we get? Oh, okay, let's get let's get this person. Let's let's throw a couple bucks their way and see what happens." One hundred percent, you know. And I think the departure of John Capriotti at Nike, who was instrumental in their growth as a mm-hmm. the the worldwide leader in track and field, if you will, as far as a a shoe brand is concerned, um, I, I don't think you know the fact that they've that there's other groups popping up that are trying to emerge is necessarily coincidental. I don't know that to be sure. Um, but I, I'm just wondering if the, and, and feeling like other, other brands are seeing an opportunity to, to have a big, bigger presence. Um, you know, everyone always talks about those in the know about Capriati's power within, you know, us, well, global track and field, uh, but obviously based mm-hmm. in Oregon. Uh, so, with him gone that that certainly has the strong that's a strong blinking light of like maybe nike's priorities are changing and if that's the case well other athletes may be choosing to take their talents elsewhere and as opposed to just automatically going to going to um going to nike and i you know i maybe bowerman is as you'd say out of parking spots mm-hmm. you know I, I i tend to think this is a Instru- I mean, you may think it the same way. This isn't instructive from above saying, okay, we've, we've, you know, the, the, 
we've been running with with 0.001% interest rates for two Oh, Lincoln, we lost you. You just you were right on the cusp of a great point about interest rates, and then our first Lincoln audio fail here. And I wanted to know what he said. I think it's important too when you think about Bowerman to think not everybody has been there for their entire career. So it's possible that some of these folks start their career somewhere else and then eventually gravitate back towards the the behemoths out there, the elephants in the room that occupy so many roster spots. So where you start your career, obviously, is not necessarily, you know, where you end your career. Um, Shalane Flanagan didn't start with Bowerman. Now, that was a little different situation. She was with she was with Nike, but, you know, Kate Grace is there. She didn't start um, with them. So uh, Gabrielle W. Stafford just started with, with Bowerman. So there's a possibility of getting more, um, I don't know, once people develop, then they kind of jump into Bowerman. So Bowerman's always going to occupy you know, two or th two spots or so in every uh, event um, in the women's uh, distance scene for from now until forever. It's just a matter of cycling different people in and different people out. There he is. He's back now. Lincoln, tell me about interest rates. Go ahead. Yeah, that's right, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I just thought... <laughs> we almost did it. Uh... We almost did it. What's the <laughs> yield today? What's the 10-year T-note average? I just think Bowerman and Nike were, were given, you know, essentially no budget over the years. And now maybe they have a budget. That's the, the gist mm -hmm. of my, my point. And uh, so that's why we're, there's possi possibility. Uh, same with you know, the, the artist formerly known as NOP and maybe OTC. Now, mm -hmm. now there may be some restrictions and that's why you could be seeing some, some changes. I have no way of actually knowing that, but that, that, that seems to be it's hard to look at the change with all these groups popping up and and the the departure of John Capriati and think that there's that one thing has has uh, not led to the other. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's talk Valencia Marathon on Sunday, live on Flow Track. Jordan Hesse in the marathon, Emily Sisson in the half, but this field is just ridiculously deep on. Both sides, the men's marathon features Berhanu Legese, number four all time with a 202.48 PB. The women have a just a plethora of sub 220 folks, along with Jocelyn Jepkoskai, who's already won a major. And the half marathon looks like we're going to get Latensabet Gade. <laughs> Maybe she's going to strengthen her resume for athlete of the year after the award is given, because the award I think is given on Saturday. So Little uh, little addendum there. And then on the men's side, Ronix Kipertu and, and Jacob Kipalima. Let's start, though, with Sisson. Let's start with Sisson, Lincoln. Now, we haven't seen her race since the marathon trials. Supposedly, she's targeting the 67-25 American record, which is held by Molly Huddle. Do you think she gets it? Yeah, it's tough to know based on having no fitness recently um if you have if you haven't raced since the trials you know there's just absolutely no no idea other than the fact that if you have to go with the old adage if you're coming to this race you're you're under the assumption that you're ready to to run fast particularly in this field i mean she she's not going to be up there with the 65 runners 65 minute runners but you know I have to think that she's ready to do it. And, you know, she's just come so close previously um, that I, 
I have pretty good confidence that she's that she's going to get this done in such a strong field. You know, to come within five seconds in in 2019, she knows how to run in a race that you know she's not leading from the front. You know, she's kind of going to be chasing some of these other athletes. Um, I, I think she's ready to do this. There's no, it's it's not like she's building up to a marathon in in eight weeks mm-hmm. or six weeks. Like, there's no absolute need to do this unless you think you're ready to run really fast and if she's ready to run fast well she's five seconds away as her personal best so i i tend to think you would do a much more low-key half marathon if you just needed to get a race in uh unless you are fit and ready to challenge that american record yeah i agree you don't travel that far and also in a pandemic with her (laughs) yeah yeah And, and with her uh this is the sweet spot distance for her. We've seen her thrive at the half marathon before. I think she'll find somebody to run with. I think some people are going to fall off that top group because they're going out so hard and, and she'll be able to chase. She's always struck me as somebody who can maintain a solid pace even when she's by herself, much like Molly Huddle, her her training partner, can do as well. So I'm I'm bullish on this. I think she breaks 67 20 and i think it's gonna lead well into the olympic year where she's gonna try to make we think the team in the ten thousand. so i think emily sisson is going to break this american record on mm-hmm. sunday what do you think about what do you think about Hase? what would be success for for jordan Hase? because this field is so good and the course supposedly is so fast you'd say okay well this is her time to pr but she's coming off of yeah a tough race at the trials is it just try to get it in the middle of the fairway here with this one? I think so. Um, this is talk about just, I know there haven't been many opportunities, but just throwing yourself right back into the fire here. I, I think mm-hmm. um, coming away healthy would be a, would be a huge step in the right direction for her, but it, obviously she's going to be looking beyond that. Um, this race is going to go really, really fast. The winners may run. It probably going to run sub two nineteen. She's not, clearly anywhere near to do that. A, you know, 224, I think would be a success. That's arbitrary, but, um, you know, she's run way, way, way faster than that in Chicago, but mm-hmm. it's it's just knowing how much she struggled with injuries and, you know, having to grind through just to get to the finish line in Atlanta. Uh, putting it in the fairway primarily is finishing, but um, running a a solid but not spectacular time. I mean, I just don't see her going out incredibly fast. I think she's going to play this a little bit more conservative and try to feel good over the second half. And I think some somewhere around the 224 number uh, would be a step in the right direction. Now, would it surprise me if she goes faster? No, but it mm-hmm. would be it would be more surprising if she went faster than that than it would be if she just DNFs. Just that's just been the struggle. She's she's had the last whatever, you know, 14 months. So uh, uh, it, it, it's not going to be flashy if she runs 224 because she's going to get beat by, I don't know, 10 to 15 people, but maybe more. But mm-hmm. that that's a, it would be a good step in the right direction for her building into 2021. And, you know, maybe you get back into, you know, I don't know what's going to be available in the spring, but you get ready to go to one of the courses eventually that she's yeah. familiar with like a Chicago and then you're ready to be the Jordan Hesse of of uh 2017 of 20 of of 2018 yeah 
weather dependent, I think she can go quicker than that. I think she could run you know, two twenty two mid, having a having a B plus race. I think she's that she's okay. that good. Um, and the course I just supposedly worry about quick. Yeah, I just worry about the fact that she ran seventy four minutes in a half marathon, wherever that was last or whenever that was last month in in you mm-hmm. know outside of in somewhere in Oregon. Uh, when Galen Rupp ran 60 minutes in a, in a, on a similar course or the same course. I just, I know we, Hase is one of those cases where we're like, we've been able to, to really see that you can't always take her half marathon, her lead up half marathon and, and extrapolate it to what she's going to do in the marathon. But 74 minutes is not very good. And uh, obviously that's 228 pace. So is she really ready to run 222? We, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I would think... I don't think we're seeing hundred percent Jordan Hesse returning like she was in 20, uh, you know, 2017 in, in, uh, Boston, Chicago or 2019 in Chicago or whatever, 2018. I forget all the years, but you know, I, that, that time, <laughs> that time, so many years. yeah, that, that, that 74 minute performance, I, I know it was cold and, and yeah, uh, I don't, you know, I think it was a training just, run. That, I'm not going to put, that's just cause she put a, just because she had a timing mat and put a uniform on, I'm not going to put too much stock into it and pretend it was a real race. She was running along a bike path in Cottage Grove, Oregon, when it comes down to it, in the midst of marathon training. Rupp's not marathon training. I think Rupp was re- legitimately going for it. I think Hase okay. has – I mean, how many times did Meb run slower than – it seemed like it runs slower than the pace he eventually ran for the marathon in a, yeah. in a tune-up half. I think that happens uh, often okay. enough. So I think – Again, like Sisson, I don't think she's going to go all the way over there if she's not ready to go. I think she has a little bit more urgency because the fact that she needs to wait until next fall probably to get into a race that meets the demands of of you know, her level of of skill. And whereas you know Sisson is just kind of going to go to to the trials and she can get that's that's going to be the the most important race of of her season next year presumably. What about this men's field, though, on the half? Oh. Ro- Ronix, apparently, and your guy, Jacob Kipolimo, who's cemented number one Jacob of 2020 in an upset. Wow. But, yeah, those are some names in there. And I can't find the full list, so I cannot name you other names. But I'm guessing there's 10 other guys who have run either 59 or 58 here, it seems like. Yeah, Valencia is a special place for Ronix Kiprutu, as it is for a lot of distance runners. Apparently, it just seems like the ground is different there. The, the air, the water is different because Ronix Kiprutu, although I believe it'll be his half marathon debut, has run 26 24 <laughs> over 10K on the roads somehow. <laughs> so uh, I would say he, albeit, yes, it will be his debut. I think he's going to be prepared to battle with the world half marathon champion in Kip Limo. You know, these are two guys you would think are going to be battling for, for medals uh, in the 10,000 mm-hmm. in Tokyo coming up next year behind, or maybe even surpassing Chep the guy. So uh, to me, this is a, 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 a great view of the, you know maybe the, the the marathon stars of the next couple of years. I know a half marathon's not a marathon, but man, these guys both seem very well suited to to the roads. And mm-hmm. um, I just for me, I'm going to pick Kip Limo just based off winning the world half title. I know Kiprutu wasn't there, but 
I think this will be a fantastic race that's going to be, you know, could could very well be below 58.30. Jamal Yimmer is also in there, and he's run 58.33, which is the fifth best time in history. He did it at Valencia when he finished second well, in 2018. 58.01 is the world record. Should we be thinking about that? Should that be in our mind? It's tough. That's so, that's so fast. I, I uh, want to put a little bit more. Car. Yeah, yeah. No, I just – some some are fast. Some are, eh, you know. Uh, <laughs> 58.01, you're assuming then somebody's going to run 57 minutes, although, you know, they could run no, 58 flat. they could flat. run 58 flat. They could run 58 <laughs> flat. But if you're going to break it, I, I – I, I think you're nailing these. I, I tend to think. I tend to think it's not going to be broken. I, I I I would put. I would say solidly. Someone the winner is going to be in the fifty eight twenties. But okay. Do you think All the right. world record's going to fall? I think it could, and it, this would be the race to do it, where you have just enormous mm. depth, and you have someone like Ronix, who say that ten k road time again twenty six. What I laugh every time I 24. hear it. That's not a twenty four. That's not a real road time. No, it's not. It can't yeah. be real. So. You have 26, you have 26, 24 guy. You have Kip Limo who won the world half and ran really fast on the track this year. So he's obviously got the speed element. And then you have Yamer coming at, coming at it from the perspective of, Hey, he's already running a fast half marathon. I, I think this would be the type of race where you would see somebody do it. Weather dependent, weather dependent, course dependent, all that other stuff. But I mean, I, he's, you know, 5801. 5801 is out there, 17 seconds faster than the next best time. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sneezing at that. I just think that um anytime someone runs 2624 in a road 10k, I'm gonna like their chances in a half marathon yeah. to uh yeah and to we, run quick. And we know if the world record does go down, the track and field community, the international track and field community will react with cool heads and rational opinions hey, about the footwear Ronix that got the Adidas. Ronix has Adidas. Doesn't so count. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're immune from the takes if Ronix does it. Yeah. Kiplimo's in Nike? Yeah. I'm assuming Kiplimo's in Nike. Okay. Um, yes, he is. The marathon itself, though, is just like – it's like if London had an even bigger budget, basically. I mean, it doesn't include yeah. – it doesn't include Elliot Kipchoge. But the names on here, you have to go – some like Deceases – well, Lisa DeCease is like the ninth dude named on the list. Like, how does that yeah. happen? Well, <laughs> it's and remarkable. Jeffrey Karui, Jeffrey Karui, who, you know, has won Boston and been a rup slayer, is like 20th mm -hmm. down here. Now, he's only run two of yeah. six. He's better than that. He's more of a championship-style runner. But, yeah, this is, this is a ridiculous field, minus even, you know, even when you don't have the guys who were up there in London and, and obviously Kipchoge and Bekele, this is – completely outrageous the the amount of fast times however many guys it is one two three four five six i mean it's like 10 guys under 205 uh the mm -hmm. run 202 48 obviously we didn't really pay too much attention to him in 2019 because he was behind bekele but um mm -hmm. lawrence chirono is in this i think you'd almost have to call mm -hmm. him the favorite although you know there's been it's it's tough to know because so so many there's been it's been such a long time since people have mm -hmm. raced yeah, this is this is fascinating. This is this is, albeit not a world marathon major, this is a a better field. I think of uh, you know, kind of in golf, they always talk about you know the majors, the the best, even though the majors are the biggest deal in 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 
uh, in golf, the four majors, the players championship usually has the best field. And that's kind of what this seems to be. Now this is brought on by the pandemic and so few racing opportunities in the marathon, but yeah, man, this is as good as it's going to get outside of a world marathon major. It's like a name brand Dubai with the depth. And I think we're going to see a, we're going to see a Valencia marathon is free to use that slogan if they want. I think we're going to see a, a similar race to Dubai where we're going to see I don't think we're going to see a world record or anything, which is not a, a bold statement. But I think we're just we're going to see some record for depth. X amount of people under two hundred four, yeah. and X amount of people. I'm selling that. Under, I don't. I don't care about that. Under two hundred three. I know. I'm just saying that's going to happen. I'm giving you some predictions. That's going to happen. I think uh, Sisson's going to get the world record in the uh, sorry, American record. American record. Whoa. American record. The men are going to get, and I think the men. I think the men. I, I hate to be all weather dependent. I hate to be the, the meteorologist on the show, but I think we could see our first 57 minute half marathon. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'll wait to see the, uh, the, uh, the pressure readings, the visibility before I make that pick. Um, you're kind of sounding like Stefan from SNL. I'd slow down here. Um, sorry, that's a shout out to John, Jonathan Gall. Um, these are fantastic races and I'm, I'm eager to see how they play out. I mean, the women's races, just i you know just as good i would think we have the the half marathon stars and jeff cheer cheer jumping in the fray jeff Koskai's in there uh mm-hmm. and then you mix it up with rudy aga berhanek debaba i'm just reading names yeah. but when you look at these pr so many women under 220 <laughs> this is bound to be very fast my threshold for the men is i i want to see a sub 203 that's that's what will get me get my juices flowing although oh, okay. You think we'll see that for sure? Yeah, I think again. I think we're going to see this some records for depth. I'm trying to look up the. Let me find the. So I'm interested. Sub- I want to see four thousand people under two ten. That's that's what I can. No, we no, do no, 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 no. So there's been. Oh, hold on. Okay, including. Okay, including repeats. Right. There's been six sub two hundred three performances in history. Obviously, not including Monza and not including Vienna for Kipchoge. I think I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see three more added to the list just from Valencia. It's going to be one of those. Wow. Well, who who yeah. you got? Who are you, who are you thinking? Legasse. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. Just three people. <laughs> I, three. Throw it. Throw it. Yeah, it's shot in the dark. I don't know. Anybody? Hmm. Just you have this. Hmm. This is like Dubai. You have you have in Dubai. Well, two things can happen. You get so many fast people together that they start getting worried about the win, and then they all look at each other, and then they don't yeah, run as fast as they could. I don't know what the price the price structure is in terms of time bonus versus um, place, you know, bonuses. But that's one scenario. The other scenario is they all just go crazy, and everybody just feeds off of each other, and there's just a whole bunch of one-upsmanship and a whole bunch of people – crater and dnf but the people who survive a lot of them run under you know two, set massive prs run under 203 and i think it's going to be that one i don't think they're going to sit around and look at each other i think they're going to go for it and the pace is going to be crazy from the beginning weather permitting absolutely yeah yeah so if you're saying if you're saying if you're saying one person if you're putting the line okay one or one and a half for number of people under 203 i would go over that is what I'm saying. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the line at one is exciting. I mean, we're just assuming there's, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I mean, I'm still, I'm old fashioned. I'm still surprised when there's a sub two Oh three. Has everybody mm-hmm. been able to yeah, get their too. full, their, their full training in? I, I guess we can assume that, but that is, that's enough to generate a headline on flowtrack.org for me. I mean, two, two Oh three. I'm not too snob. Sub two Oh three is I'm, that's still that's still a big deal. I remember when Jeffrey Cometto ran two hundred two fifty seven, and the world stopped. You know, um, the, Jeffrey Cometto. What was his name? Also, Dennis Cometto um, was his name. Dennis Cometto. His brother, though, uh, Jeffrey <laughs> ran. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, okay. Look at these other two. Look at these other two uh, sub two hundred threes in history, right? So the same day, Kipchoge runs two hundred one. Oh, sorry, no, that wasn't a repeat there. That that does not prove my point. Bekele and Berhanu Legese, that's the same race, correct? Kipchoge yeah. and Mosinet Garamu, that was the same race. So of the six, four of them happened in, you know, they were paired together, grouped together, which obviously makes sense. You're going to have people serving as yeah, yeah. essentially rab- okay. rabbits for everybody else. So I'm excited to hear that you'll write this up because I'm actually going to be not at a computer on, on not be able to not going to be at a computer on Sunday morning. So I'm excited to read your article about this on flowtrack.org if there's a sub two hundred three. Yeah, yeah, you can you can eagerly anticipate. I'm all in for the Valencia Marathon, which folks can in the U.S. can watch on flowtrack worldwide. worldwide, worldwide. But people in the U.S. too. Listen, I'm a. Uh, I'm the best PR voice for this website. I just get facts <laughs> wrong, in, incorrect. Uh, say, call him Jeffrey Cometto. Is that the ultimate <laughs> Dennis Cometto thing is when I'm t- talking about him as a track and field media person and calling him Jeffrey Cometto? Um, <laughs> yeah. He may, you know. So anyways, excited to watch this race. You and Gordon are back tomorrow. And I'm going to read a list of, because we started a, a document here on topics. So these are the things that Gordon... Uh, and Lincoln will talk about tomorrow. And I want the audience to hold them accountable so that way we don't get – Do it. I don't know, whatever you guys – you know, more trades or something like that. Um, so the track meet preview, a lot of big names there too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have World Cross Country moving to 2022. New York Roadrunners canceling the NYC half. And then the NCAA – Gordon will sink his teeth into this one. NCAA considering – making NCAA indoors three days this year and then splitting conference meets into two weekends. So that's what you get tomorrow. But you could talk mm-hmm. for the whole time on, on the track meet. That's going to be fun. Gordon gets to talk about Louis G. It'll be a good one. I'm excited. Yeah, and I do think he will talk for at length about the possibility of three days and what that could mean for how athletes try and quintuples and, uh, and what <laughs> this, that, and the other. And somehow that'll make NAU a bigger favorite in his eyes. I'm, I'm always yeah. eager to hear the way he rationalizes minor changes. So look forward to that, yeah. folks. You're going to listen to Marlon. He'll, he'll have Oliver Hoare putting back on a Wisconsin jersey to run six <laughs> more races. <laughs> Poor guy. Yep. All right, that's it for this edition of the Flow Track Podcast. Thanks to Alon for producing. Lincoln and Gordon will be back tomorrow. Talk to you guys later.